0: Welcome to Weekends with Josh, a podcast series to share life stories and tips through the lens of a youth. I am Joshua Cal, your host. In today's episode, we'll hear about financial management for youth and the story from our guest, also my brother, Jonathan Cal. Jonathan is currently a rising sophomore at UPenn, attending Penn Engineering and Wharton Business School. Thanks for being here, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so. Tell me about your college freshman year.
1: Yeah, it was definitely great being on campus last semester. It was definitely not the traditional first year experience because of the pandemic and everything. But it was definitely still great to get uh, a first
0: taste of what my engineering classes and also my my business school classes were going to be like. Yeah, the pandemic really messed a lot of us up. But about your Wharton business school Especially for me and many of my peers, business and investing is still pretty foreign because from Katie at school, we haven't learned much about it. And the only thing I know from it is from YouTube and reading a couple of magazines. So is there anything you wish you did differently in middle school and high school that could have set you up better in terms of financial knowledge for where you are now?
1: Yeah, you definitely bring up a great point. Um, Like Throughout middle school and even high school, there's not much talk about, well, you're not taught much about like money management and financial literacy, and you really don't get your first taste of it until you start taking your finance classes in, in college. Uh, in terms of the biggest thing I wish I knew or biggest thing I wish I understood when I was in middle school or your age would be the whole concept of compounding and how time in the market is so important.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, Warren Buffett, he actually started investing when he was ten. And- yeah, and
1: I have a cool example
0: um, that relates
1: to relates to that. So let's just say um, you start investing now, and another friend you have starts investing in ten years, and you each have the same monthly allowance of like a hundred dollars or something. Yeah, and you invest uh, religiously for the first ten years. And then after a while, you get bored of it, and then you start spending your money. You don't invest anymore until you until you get to fifty. Meanwhile, your friend, he doesn't know about the whole concept of compounding the time, uh, the importance of time in the market. He starts investing in ten years, but religiously invests until he's fifty, right? So right now, how old are you?
0: I am fourteen years old.
1: Right, so you invest from fourteen to twenty-four. So you put money in for the first 10 years and then you let it be for the next 26 years until you're 50. Meanwhile, your friend does nothing from 14 to 24 and invests for the next 26 years until he's 50. Right? Intuitively, it seems like because the second person
0: um, dedicated- He invested for more time, so he should have-
1: more Right, and that's kind of the intuitive response, right? He spent a lot more effort. He spent 26 uh, years investing while you only spent 10. Uh, but really that's, um, that's kind of where the intuition goes wrong, right? It's actually quite surprising that you will end up with,
0: um, better returns on your money than he will. Really? Wait, could you, could you break that down a bit more? I'm still, I don't know. It just doesn't make logical sense to me. Right.
1: The math on it is actually quite simple. Um, The whole idea of the compounding effect is kind of the longer uh, your money compounds, the less important the money you put into your account is and the more important how much time you spent in the market is. That's why you see someone like Warren Buffett, who's been investing since he's been 10, and now he's almost 90 years old. He's had the full power of the compounding effect behind him. It doesn't matter um, if your returns are 20% or 50%. If you have like three times more time in the market, Um, he'll definitely win in the long run. So, I mean, there's a really famous comparison between Warren Buffett and another really famous investor by the name of Jim Simons. Warren Buffett over the past, um, however long he's been investing, he's had an annual rate of return of this around 20%, while Jim Simons, he's more of a quant and uses mathematics to trade stocks. He's had a much greater return of 50%. And the difference in return between 20% and 50% is huge. Um, but just because Jim Simons has been in the market for much less time
0: than Buffett has, Buffett has made more money in the long run. Oh, I just thought of an example. So as I was researching for this interview, I came across this article and it was talking about time, the value of time. And they made this comparison of since Warren Buffett invested from 10 to 90, if instead he was more like a a normal human being and invested only from the ages of 30 to 60, his net worth would be 99.9% less. And that's just crazy. That just really, really digs down the fact that you have to start investing.
1: Because if you only invest from 30 to 60, that's 30 years in the market, which seems like a long time, but that is nothing in comparison to 10 to 90, which is 80 years in the market. And, when you're dealing with something like exponential growth, that extra 50 years means everything. Think of it as a snowball rolling down the hill, right? If you let it roll down for 30 seconds, it'll get so big. But if you let it roll down for another 50 seconds on top of the 30 seconds, right, it only gets bigger and bigger, and it's, it's exponential. Right?
0: Yeah, next. Um, this, I actually kind of wish I started investing in those 10. That Warren Buffett example is crazy. Like 99.9%. Yeah, that's just crazy. I cut. Right, awesome. Third question. So now, John, I heard you joined some investment club at Wharton. What have you learned? From it? Yeah, it's
1: definitely great to join an investment club at uh, Wharton. A lot of kids that weren't are interested in the whole uh, field of investing and learning how to pick the best stocks and do a lot of fundamental research and also technical research behind the stocks that they pick. And I guess my biggest takeaway from that whole experience is that there's a lot of people trying to spend a lot of time. And uh, even these people, even these professional investors, after spending like hours and hours of time doing research, even them, there it hasn't been shown that they can significantly beat the market. So when I was younger, I used to like picking the stocks of companies that I liked, which in general is not a bad strategy. But I realized that in the long run, it's probably better just to stick to the market, overall market, and invest in things like uh, market ETFs and index funds.
0: Oh, what are ETFs and index funds?
1: Right, so ETFs and index funds are essentially ways for uh, investors to diversify across the entire market. So instead of just buying your Apple or Netflix, you can buy um, a market ETF an index fund, give, which gives you exposure to all sorts of companies. So if some companies do well and others fail, you'll do all right. And if, all, if the entire market does well, you'll do uh, well as well. So it's kind of a way to diversify your portfolio.
0: Yeah, this actually reminds me when you were 15, or were you 15? Or somewhere in the high school range. Me and you, you know, we invested in some stocks. Well, not really, but for fun, we picked some stocks to invest in. Do you remember what some of those stocks were?
1: Yeah, I mean, in general, we got pretty lucky with those investments. Uh, We bought right before a lot of these tech stocks started skyrocketing. So we picked things like your Apples, your Netflix, your Teslas. And we bought it for the sole purpose that we thought those companies were interesting. We saw them in our day-to-day lives and uh, we got really lucky with those investments. You typically do not expect those like 5X, 6X type returns on your investments. In general, you you should be really happy if you even get 2X or even 1.5, 1.5X. And that's really why I started shifting my, uh, investment strategy away from picking individual stocks that I like to just investing in the overall market because you don't want to rely on relying on getting lucky with your stock picks and even if you do a lot of research um, even then like it's been shown that it's just it's just really hard to try to time the market and try to uh, pick stocks that you think will out. Before the market.
0: So you just mentioned you bought the stocks because you sell them in day-to-day lives what is the importance of Focusing more on what you see other people using. Yes, looking at the graph and trying to make some models. Or are they both?
1: Yeah, so one one, uh, not bad investment strategy is to just invest in things that you see in your day-to-day life. um, That you think people underappreciate, right? Because... um, People, a lot of people that are investing in these stocks, they don't know exactly what's going on on the ground. But if you have insider knowledge, right? If you, if you can see that, okay, iPhones are starting to do really well among teams, You, you're the first person to know that, and you have an information advantage over, let's just say, some stock market traders out in New York, who don't know that yet. Maybe they'll find out in a few months when it, it hits the news. But you're kind of on the ground level, and that gives you an information advantage, um, and that's one way to kind of pick stocks, uh, pick stocks of companies that you think are, that will do well. And looking at graphs in general, I think is a pretty poor strategy unless you really know what you're doing and you're a a stock trader because, um, right? Just because a stock has been doing well for the past two years does not indicate that it's gonna continue doing well. And a lot of the times uh, the opposite in fact happens.
0: Yes. Yeah, just looking at what others use, if others are using a company's product, then there's kind of a guarantee that it won't drop all the way down to zero, which is...
1: Right, yeah. So if you see strong growth and you you think that uh, the company is going to do really well in the future and you think that uh, it's not baked into the stock price yet, like uh, other investors don't realize that yet, then that would be a good investment opportunity.
0: Okay. So how do you know when to buy stocks? is it just when you feel like it or is there a set procedure you do
1: right so i mean i touched upon this a little bit earlier when we were talking about looking at graphs and uh kind of intraday trading and um just trading stocks in general Um, if you're not a professional day trader you haven't spent a lot of time learning how to how to trade and you're just your typical average investor who wants to park their money in a in a saving or in a, an investment account, in general, you don't want to try to time the market and say, oh, the stock went up recently. I maybe should wait to buy the dip or wait. but it's dipping recently. Maybe I should buy a lot now. Um, because you never know. The market's very unpredictable. And if you, yeah, it's just in general, that's just uh, a pretty risky way. And it's not even guaranteed to outperform in the long run. Uh, yeah. I would suggest doing something like just. Uh, Just dollar averaging oh
0: uh, what is dollar averaging
1: right essentially dollar averaging is instead of trying to figure out when the stock is at its all-time high or when it's at its all-time low uh just set just invest a certain amount every month and sometimes you'll get lucky and you'll buy it when it's very low and sometimes you'll get unlucky and you'll buy it when it's very high but in the average in the long run right you'll kind of it'll all even out and you'll be buying Kind of at an even price, and but that's not really you're not trying to make your money when you invest for the long term off these kind of uh minor short term price fluctuations, you're kind of going for the long term growth. So, in the long run, it shouldn't matter to you that much.
0: Okay, yeah, that's some valuable info. So, now you're over the age of 18, um, while well, you're old, just saying, but. So now you're over the age of 18, you can open your own bank account. How do you go about doing that? How do you go about managing your input and your output? And yeah, how do you just go about doing that?
1: Yeah, so when you're under the age of 18, you can't, uh, you're not legally allowed to open your own investment account yet. But you can do things like start joint accounts with your with your parents, or you can um, start an account. I know there's some great websites online that allow you to invest with pay money. So you kind of get exposure into what it's like um but yeah it's definitely a great time to get started
0: yeah so what do you mean so if you're under the age of 18 can you expand more on how i if i were to open a bank account or not really me but people under 18 how would they make an investing account
1: yeah so i would suggest uh first you need to have some sort of money right so if you maybe do your chores and your parents give you an allowance or you start getting a job at your local like oba shop uh first you have some sort of money and you need to open a joint uh joint bank bank account with your parents and after that they can help you get set up with an investment
0: right so in a joint account um the parents are the final seers but you're making all the decisions through this yeah okay so in terms of your bank account you know there's what you input in and but your output so could you tell me what the different aspects there are in input and output
1: yeah and so in terms of like the types of like the, the types of money coming into my bank account you always want to distinguish between like is this active income or is this passive income and essentially the goal um if you want to reach this whole concept of financial independence is you want to be able to live off your your passive income which essentially is um you, so there's a there's a difference between active and passive income right so active income is the money you make by actively doing something right so let's just say you're a uh you're working at the local bobo shop right your your wages coming in from that would be considered active income because it's tied directly to how many hours you work right but passive income is money that you make by uh upfront labor right something you do and then you reap dividends off it in the future. So investing would be a, an example of passive income. You spend a lot of effort researching in these stocks. You find a lot of efforts researching into dividend-bearing uh, companies. And the money that you gain from those companies would uh, be considered passive income.
0: Okay. So what are the different perspectives of output?
1: Um, I mean, it depends on... So output is all about how you spend your money right mm-hmm. and um so you want to always be careful of spending money between like what you need and what you want right and as long as you're careful and you kind of watch your spending um in the long run it should be
0: yeah what i want i want VVEX. do i need v <laughs> not really um yeah oh this one thing i remember Mommy, uh, our mom was very, very driving down at this point to make your money honestly and to spend your money wisely and share your fortune because you don't want to go to bed being guilty, um uh, being guilty of not making your money honestly, because you just won't get sleep. And a lot of social problems actually, social problems in the world right now is from people being greedy. And not making their money honestly, so you probably don't want to, yeah, be a cause.
1: That's, that's definitely a good thing to keep in mind, right? Uh, you don't want to be doing dirty things to bring in your money. You want to be doing things the right way, and you want to be holding yourself to like high standards and everything.
0: Yeah, and share your fortunes too. Um, do you actually know that Warren Buffett? He is a very, very. He really, he really drives down this point. Apparently, he donates billions and billions of dollars every year, and he pledges to donate 99% of his net worth by his debt. Yeah. Um, and, that, yeah.
1: and that's definitely a great thing, right? Once you reach the point of financial independence and you're able to um, bring in more money than you need with passive income, then you can start thinking about, okay, how do I use this money to help others who aren't as fortunate as me? Right?
0: Yeah. And... Yeah, with share your fortune, like in Warren Buffett's way, he's sharing both tangible and intangible. You can share your knowledge, and you can share your assets, your money.
1: Yeah. That's-
0: yeah. So, final final words of wisdom, Jonathan. Any more youth financial literacy advice?
1: Yeah, I mean the biggest thing is, uh, it's never too early to get started, right? Um, yes. You really want the power of compounding on your side and the earlier you start the earlier your your snowball will start to build up and um really reap the benefits of exponential growth over over the long run um but there's another thing that i wanted to kind of expand more on which you brought up is that um right, money isn't everything yes right the whole point of uh the whole idea of gaining financial independence is once you like, once you're able to bring in more money with passive income than you need to spend, then you don't need to worry about, okay, how am I going to, um, like, how am I going to support my family? How am I going to support myself? You can start to um, kind of decouple, like, your finances and your passions, right? And then you can start to do things that you're really, really passionate about and, um, and even start to do things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And that's really the power of finance.
0: Right. Thanks for your time. I personally learned a lot from preparing and listening to you talk to, uh, today, so appreciate it. And
1: yeah, awesome. It was definitely great, uh, great talking to you. And hope you guys are all able to. Hope all the listeners are able to. Were able to learn something new about investing today, and hopefully think about getting started.
0: Yeah. Adios, Jonathan. The stories from my brother John were absolutely amazing. I learned the power of time and the compounding snowball effect and why it is so good to start investing early. Guess what? I was so motivated from this episode that I opened my own joint account with my mother where I will save my allowance and invest in the long term. And I hope that I can pursue financial freedom and pursue my passions in life. And I hope that you guys can have that situation too. But make sure to not be a money slave. As Jonathan quoted, make your money honestly, spend your money wisely, and share your fortune. So, how about you? What's your takeaway? We can to Josh. Sign out. Peace out.